Mean Gene, the steel cage is the most brutal arena of human competition. It is the last resort, man. Wow, episode four. We did it. This where we fight the Russian? No, this is um where we take a golf swing. Huh? I just held up four fingers to him for the viewers at home that couldn't see during that long silence where I held up four fingers. Usually, when I hold up four fingers to Francis, it means something else. It means the symbol of excellence. But in this case, it just uh, just meant golf. Barry Darso, huh? <laughs> Barry Darso. Darso. Oh, by the way, you guys are listening to Steel Cage Carnage on FanboyNation.com. I'm Joshua Waldrop. <laughs> I'm Fran Mooney in the, not in the control center. <laughs> Sorry. Um, not in the control center. Not in the control center at this moment in time. No, no we're in the... Uh, the sweat boxes, or we've dubbed it the sweat box. Yeah, it's a good name for this place. During summer, well, just during summer, then fall will be the, you know, the it's a moderately temp- temperature, moderate temperature. This is the suffering we do for our arts. This is the suffering we do for you, the fanboy nation and steel cage carnage universe. That we sit here, bare chested, bare bottomed, to beat the heat. Last week, you guys don't know this because you don't see the behind-the-scenes stuff. You don't see what goes on to make this magic happen. Well, actually... Francis and I literally were stuck together by the titties. And we had to uh, have... What? Family. Yeah, cows. Oh, teats, you mean. Oh, teats. Titties, yeah, that's what I said. Oh, Oh, teats, yeah. Yeah, what are you you talking about? Uh, Teats? Like... What the hell? Sorry. I love a sorry in the middle of the podcast. That was one of that's our other producer um, messaging us. Oh, what'd she say? That was Rick. Oh, what'd she say? <laughs> I don't know. I can't. It's a box. I can't. Is he the man in the box? Sure. Um, but one thing we won't do: sit through TNA before you go. That that, that suffering is on another uni- in another universe. I mean, you guys know how it feels, right? You're listening to this podcast right now, so you completely identify with our suffering. Exactly. Pay it forward. Yeah. So, ready to get into it? Yeah, why not? Let's uh, let's see what happened on Raw Monday night. Raw, let's start with the Raw we've got. we got The Miz taking on Sheamus. The Miz taking on Sheamus. You know, the match was better than it had any right to be. You know, it's bad when they show the entire lineup during your match. A battle for the battleground battle royal. <laughs> I notice I come back. I come. I turn on the. I'm, I come. I stepped away for a second. I come back on the TV, and they're showing like, oh, the match must be over. And they're showing like each is each um, each person's flashing on the screen. And no, the match is still going for Miz and Sheamus. Yeah, seriously, um, long match. I just I can't get into Sheamus anymore. I'm just oh, I'm done. Sheamus is done as far as I'm concerned. A, does he need a? He needs a. Enough is enough time for a change. I guess. But conversely, that idea of putting Miz's face on the Titan Tron for the entirety of the match. That was great. Awesome. That's some <laughs> classic heel shit. That's like when he had the uh Wow, you're you, now he says the S word. You're gonna point them all out, Fran, or sure, we, uh, we're not I don't know. We um, have to go back and edit this one heavily. <laughs> no, not really. We'll throw we'll we'll slap some stuff on there. Um Where were we? Oh, the face. It also Rover. reminds us of that time when he uh Hype the entire show of I'm going to do something that's going to change the universe, 
all he did was put the W on the belt and put it upside down. To Perfect. Him. Yeah. And he still does that. Whenever he walks out with the microphone, it has the upside down M on it for the Miz, the awesome one, obviously. Not Mike Awesome because Miz didn't hang himself. <laughs> wow, you're laughing at a man who hung himself? Francis, you are no, it's a, just oh, a God. special kind of a human being. That's the uncomfortable, oh, God, oh, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so we also had, this is, yes. oh, yeah, for this, after this is something where we're like, wow, you've fallen to the depths. Um, Ziggler and Fandango, it was what it was, but distracted by the women. and yeah, I mean, it's great Ziggler got a, got a victory, uh, got, the, got the pop he deserves, but... No one cares anymore about this Fandango thing. I want to know who the jerk-off was that sat down at the creative meeting for this past week's Raw and said, No, no, no. The thing with Fandango and Summer Rae and, and, and Layla, they're into it. It's good. Let's keep it going. Because that guy needs to get kicked in the, in the nards and then fired. Nards. I mean, is it Wolfman? Yeah. He's got nards. Yeah, Wolfman Jack and his nards. Wolfman Jack. you never seen Master Squad, have you? Uh, yes, but a long time ago. I don't oh, remember okay. much of it. Yeah, yeah, I can't see Wolfman Jack on I'm me. leaning very forward. We're moving. This is the technical jargon right here. we got to stay within the heart shape, the cardioid. perfect butt shape of our cardioid area. Cardioid. Cardioid. Cardioid? What is cardioid? I don't know, but let's just keep moving along. <laughs> so, yeah, it is what it is, and I I can't get into this. It's gone. No one cares anymore. Sorry, Fandango. <laughs> but I happened- still like Fandango. I think he can be rescued. I just think he needs to get away from... Summer Rae and Layla. I think this whole this whole thing's run its course. Yeah, not they're together, but then they hate each other. Who knows? They need but, to just scissor and get it over with. There you go. <laughs> Layla. Scissors. <laughs> and, and then this proves Damien Sandow has really fallen. Oh, God. Damien Sandow comes out in a Sonic uniform and wanting his cheesy hot dog. No, no, no. For those of you listening, not the Seattle Supersonics. Not like he was coming out to get cheap uh, heat by Sean wearing a, a sports jersey of another of a rival team or wearing the jersey of a team that had left town and gone somewhere else for greener pastures. When Fran says Damien Sandow was wearing a Sonic uniform, he means the drive-through, like serving hamburgers, Sonic uniform. Uh, uh, it might be a bit of foreshadowing on their part. That's what I was actually thinking. Like, oh, wow, at least he's ready to go. He's got a uniform. <laughs> yeah. It's cool that he's already got another job lined up. Yeah, but then um, Adam Rose, I guess that's what Adam Rose is now is the promo guy. Not not doing promos, but doing the promotions and kind of taking the, uh, I think people point out, he's taking the kind of taking the Santino role now. That's really a shame. What an absolute waste of talent. I hope that they don't plan on keeping him in the Santino role because there's other people that could fill that Santino role just as well or better and Adam Rose, if given the right opportunity, could really be a big star for them. Like an international star for them. Yes, he can. If, if you've never... Again, WWE Network, watch NXT, watch some Adam, Ro- Adam Rose there. And did, you, did you and the, the network make up? Uh, you guys had a tiff. Well, I said it was their... It was like their one, their one kind of... Their flaw, but... I still like the network. It's kind of like the one time that you allow your girlfriend to... It's the Rocky Five, okay? They made Rocky Six and it came back and they redeemed themselves. How's that? You see what Francis did there? He jumped on the grenade for you people. He saved you people from a really bad but well-constructed um, domestic abuse joke. 
That's the kind of host Fran is. Yeah, Rock, we'll go with Rocky. We'll go with Rocky Five, and make. Then they came back with the Rocky Balboa. There you go. But yes, get the network, watch some NXT, and check out some Adam Rose stuff. And then you go, why? Why aren't they doing this with him out here? It's like that we talked. We kept talking a couple weeks in a row about Biggie Lang, Biggie Langston, or Biggie now. Sorry, with the he can talk, he can wrestle. Let him do that stuff. Don't let him just sit there, sound like a southern preacher, needing sentences out of the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is he like chewing on his his words at the end of his promos? It makes no sense. I don't know, but um, out came the Usos to the baka baka da 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 Samoa stuff, and then... wow, baka baka Samoa stuff. That, 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 that's all I can hear here is I heard the Samoa part, and then that's it. And then there's just like a lot of stuff. That is the longest dance. If I was a tag in a tag team that was in a feud with the Usos. I would just pay people that were in the back to wait behind the curtain with iron pipes, and as soon as they started doing that dance, just come out and hit them like as often and as hard as possible. Well, that's what the Wyatt family did yeah. without pipes. Exactly. <laughs> Finally, the Wyatts do what I've been praying for somebody to do for all these months. It's like it's just like the thing you say. Is like people always point out, why does music come on when someone's trying to do a run in? Yeah, exactly. I just thought it was funny because. <laughs> The way they sh- they shot it, it's just the way it happened to be. It's it's production. Things happen sometimes. But uh, Luke Harper came off from the from our right side and hit uh, one of the Usos, Jimmy or Jay. If it wasn't Jimmy, it was the other one. <laughs> if it wasn't Jay, it was the other one. Uh, and just it looked like he barely touched him. He just he barely grazed him with a forearm, and then Jay went flying off a screen. It was really hilarious. Day one, baby. Day one. Yeah. What, what does it- that mean, even mean? I don't know, it's just it's on their tights. Yeah. Or whatever that is hanging down. Um So next came something where something where Jack Swagger got the biggest pop he's ever gotten. And yeah. That was the de- the quote unquote detente between Zeb and Lana you know, to hype their match of Battleground, which we'll talk about Battleground in a, uh, later in the show. For one, I would really like to say I would like to say that the only reason Jack Swagger got that pop is because everybody is, hates Rusev so much and they don't like him and they're not buying into what WWE is trying to sell them with Rusev. And because they so vehemently feel that way, they therefore by default cheered Jack Swagger. I don't think that was the case, though. No, they were... I think they're actually buying into Rusev and Lana as a gimmick. And how could they not buy into Lana? She's amazing. Her facial expressions, her emoting during that whole promo, perfect. Everybody should watch her promo from Monday and learn how to ha- have facial reactions. Her reactions to the things that Zeb Coulter said were great. She was, she's easily, well, I can't say she's the talent in the bunch because Rusev's really grown on me over the last couple weeks. And, but you know, Lana is just fantastic. And Dutch Mantel being the kind of old school kind of promo thing he did. It was, it was, you made a great promo. The crowd was just chanting USA. It's something you wouldn't, haven't seen in a long time. You don't, you haven't seen a lot of that with people get, really getting into like, you know, anything of like that sort but hearing them doing the usa chant in unison and we the people and the crap they're eating it up and i can't believe that swagger's getting these pops now that he's getting because for a while it was just like crickets when he would come out they're building the uh, feud great because these guys really still haven't done much of anything they finally touched on raw and as uh rusev threw the uh crescent kick at swagger he caught it turned it into the ankle lock and and rusev drugged swagger with him as he crawled out of the ring it was tremendous really built up the hype Really teasing the audience. It's classic uh, booking. And, you know, Jack Swagger, I'm glad he's finally catching on with something. I've always thought he had a really unique presence and a really unique look. And he's really good in the ring, especially for a guy his size. And I'm glad he has a mouthpiece, though. You know what? I'm not even going to qualify it like that. That's, that's, 
that's wrong because of of trying to diminish what he's done because of his size. He's just been doing good work flat out lately, regardless of how big or small he is. He's been really working hard, and it's good to see it's paying off. And the way he finally acknowledges has Big Hoss on his jacket. Yeah, Big Hoss. And I also like the way that they did the the kind of turn. I won't even really call it a turn. It just happened. It was like a quarter turn. Yeah. Uh, of of um, Zeb Coulter, because they didn't have him just do an about face and and crap on everything he has been saying over the last well, however long year, couple years. He still stayed true to his character. He didn't put over. Obama, but he put over the presidency of the United or States. The, the entire country's like, yeah, I can say what I want, but you don't put down the USA. It's like a, it's like what you would hear out here. It's like, yeah, I'll say the stuff I want, but you don't put down my country. Yeah, exactly. Blah, blah, I don't put down my country. Yeah, yeah, Big E. I'm going to stand up. <laughs> yeah, that one we'll talk about, too, because that just remind, did remind me of something with when I saw them come out with Kofi. Um, Kofi. <laughs> But yeah, um, I'm actually looking forward to ba- uh, that that match on Battleground. I'm actually looking forward to it. I can't believe I'm saying that, but yes, I'm I know. Me too. To Jack Swagger and um, and Rusev because the buildup has been great. I mean, the one with Biggie, it didn't seem didn't have the punch Biggie and him. Just didn't seem to have like the oh, like the two behemoths facing facing off. It was just like oh yeah, no. But I think that that match may have had an effect as to why people have are buzzing about this match because. Rusev for months was just crammed down people's throats, come out, squash, squash, squash. I'm a believer in squash matches. Some people out there aren't. They think they're dated. They think they don't do anyone any favors. I think they can be very necessary and building a guy's credibility and monstrosity fast. And they did that with Rusev, but I think it started to get kind of tired. And then when they put him in with Big E, Big E was coming off of a feud. He just lost the Intercontinental Championship. I think that most people looked at it like, oh, they don't have anything really for these guys, so they're just going to throw them together. But then they went out at Money the Bank and had a fantastic match. Easily one of the best matches either of those two guys has had, certainly on Raw, yeah. maybe since they've been in the company. And now people look at that match and say, wow, by all rights, it's two big, strong bulls just charging into one another. That match should not probably have been that entertaining. Now you've got Rusev, who's proven that he can do some things against Swagger, who has the wrestling background, as athletic and ad- agile as hell. And he's actually taller than Rusev, I believe. Yeah, he's one of the few guys that can match power, strength, and size with Rusev. I think that's a large reason why. I think Jack Swagger can should be uh, buying beers for the next month and a half for Biggie after the shows, and thank you. <laughs> Beer sounds good right about now, anyway. It sure does. Yeah. Um, so let's get a sponsor. You know what my favorite kind of beer is? What? Whiskey. <laughs> I'll give you that one. All right. I'll give you credit on that one. Um, so also we had, um, two things we can just kind of move on for because it is what they were. Uh, I hate to say it, but it is, uh, Del, Rio, Del Rio versus Van Damme just is what it was. Just kind of placed there. We know what was happening. Van Damme's there. We know Van Damme's role. He's yeah. there just... To be the guy to put over the other people. Help elevate people and bring them up to another level. Yeah. So Which kind of seems like where Del Rio is, because... Here's one thing, though, that's happening. And it's happening slowly. And it's probably happening slow enough to where people may not be realizing it, but I wish they would. It wasn't too many months ago that they had four, three or four guys up top. Punk, Cena, uh, so before even the ascension of Daniel Bryan, Dan- and uh, Randy Orton. And everybody else was, like, distant... 
And everybody else that was in the mid-card didn't necessarily have an established thing. You had some guys that had an established thing, some guys that were making a play for the Intercontinental Championship, and some guys that you just were never going to see because they're on there's the way they've been the used on superstars or main event. You just know when you saw them, oh, they're going to lose to just, somebody. Uh. Kofi Kingston was one of those guys. Whenever I heard SOS... I thought, change I'm the channel. Shel- I'm not Shelton. <laughs> well, nobody's going to get that that's listening to this. I know. It just it sounds like what it says. But, uh, but yeah, um, Kofi has been one of those guys. And now, in the last two weeks, he's got two wins over Cesaro. And what they're doing, I think, slowly is something that I've talked about that hasn't been done, really, in my estimation, since the late 80s, early 90s, which is... What's that? They're, they're narrowing the focus. Everybody on the card is gelling into a program, an angle that means something. And all the guys are on each other's level. They're all credible threats. It's starting to be like, Kofi goes in now. Can he beat Cesaro? Well, he beat him twice, so of course he can beat Cesaro. When has Kofi Kingston mattered in the last three years? Just to put over some guy. or I think it was the last thing I, big thing he had was when I think when Ryback just took him out. For right, like months because he was hurt, and I wouldn't say that two weeks over Cesaro uh, erases the damage that they've done or, or builds up all the credit after all the jobs that he's done. But he's a credible guy now. He's a guy you're not like, oh, Kofi's in here. He's definitely going to lose. Now you see Kofi, or you see you know, any of those guys. Really, Adam Rose has gotten a couple of wins. Titus, Titus O'Neil has gotten a couple of wins over some surprise people, and you're going, wow. It's like the 80s where the big boss man and the million dollar man and the honky tonk man and all these men were <laughs> a lot of men. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. They they were all credible threats. Man's world. And that's why a Hulk Hogan could be champion for 4 years because there was always a new credible contender right behind him. Over the last decade or so, it's been three or four guys and if Cena or Orton or Punk are not in that main event mix, you're like that's who cares? No one else has a chance. Now they're narrowing that gap a little bit, and I think it's making for a tighter shows and a better product. Um, I wish I could. I uh, wish I could say I don't agree with you, but I do agree with you, and so it's hard for me to debate on you. On I, I can't debate you on that one. We don't have to debate. I mean, it's okay if we agree on stuff. We can just give our perspectives on it. It's not like uh, it's not like some people who just have to debate everything and be on the opposite side of you for absolutely no good reason other than to be on the opposite side of something that you like or dislike just for the sake of being a contrarian. Hate mail can be addressed at the Wrestling Buddies at <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Hi, Bryce. Um, Wink. Alicia Fox, Cameron feed Nikki Bella, no one cares. Um, yeah, as soon as you said Alicia Fox, my brain shut down. Yeah, but just bring your, bring your, brain, back. Bring your brain back up. Hey, Sting was on Raw on a, t- on a, in a video game ad. So you know what? It could a- be a sign to come. It, well, obviously. Oh, yeah. Anybody who's still speculating, obviously he's going to be on TV at some point. Obviously he is with the WWE or is I knew nearing you. being with the WWE. I and mean, I, it's cool. I thought the commercial was cool. I'm sick of the Crow gimmick still. I was sick of it when it started. But he, you were saying he looked old. I thought maybe he looked a little old, but I thought more he looked like more like thin in the face like he he'd been maybe losing weight or getting in shape yeah i'm hoping that's what it was i'm hoping he's not withering away yeah it's just really weird is yeah you you would see in tna sting hogan flair guys like that the the (laughs) legends they come into wwe 
it's like they jumped in the fountain of youth or, got, or not just gotten a whole new tune-up because they look healthier. They look ready to go. They're more enthusiastic. Listen. What is it about jumping from there to there? Is that well, is it just people, they, they have the people that know how to shoot them right or to tell them this is what you need to do or what? It's all about packaging. Nobody needed to tell Hogan and TNA or Sting or Kurt Angle what to do. It's just the way they're being presented. I remember, now me and you <clears throat> and several of our listeners probably grew up with Hulk Hogan. We grew up with Hulkamania, and I'm reminded of how I grew up with Hulk Hogan because I watched just about half of all of the Saturday Night's Main Event <laughs> offerings on the network where Hogan ruled the roost forever. And then he went to WCW, or he went to uh, TNA you know, later in his career. My girlfriend and uh, co-producer of the show, Rachel Putnam, she, uh, who will probably make an appearance on the show as much as we talk about her, she didn't grow up with Hulk Hogan. She knew of him, I think... She, uh, her mom had told me once a story where she had grown up with Ric Flair and used to woo all the time. So I guess she was a uh, NWA slash WCW girl. But uh, Hulk Hogan, she didn't grow up with, so she didn't have that reverence that we do. She didn't have that. Oh, it's Hulk! The magic of Hulkamania. It's the you know the, the the real life superhero. Right. She knew Hogan from some of the matches that we'd gone and watched, but she mainly knew Hogan from his appearances on TNA because that's she started really getting into wrestling when we got together. Yeah. And. Um, she even said that first night Hulk Hogan reappeared on Raw. She's like, "Wow, he looks great. He looks like he looks like he's got dignity. Yeah, he looks like he cares. <laughs> yeah, and like like I would point out in TNA, like when he takes off his glasses, he looks like Lady Bird from King of the Hill. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, brother, brother, trying to do this stuff, but it just didn't have the same. Brother, brother, when did you turn into a, a superstar Billy Graham? Oh, I forgot. If you were superstar Billy Graham, you'd be bitterly crapping all over the current state of the business. My bad. No, I don't do that. No." Oh, um, A, B, C, hepatitis. <laughs> I, I wouldn't give my Hall of Fame ring back because of something either. Um, but, so where, where, where are we going? Okay, now, so, wait, wait, wait. You misheard the story. Superstar Billy Graham didn't, quote, give his Hall of Fame ring back, unquote. He, quote, hawked it. Oh, un- okay. Unquote. Okay. But, um, so yeah, it just seems like when like WWE knows how to present something and bring back to be able to have you have those nostalgic memories when you look at it. I remember I saw one of the a friend of mine on uh, Facebook put up as a oh sting. This is just seeing that sting like that brings back memories. And like you wouldn't see that in TNA. They just be like, "Oh, look, he's in TNA." Okay. I said to Rachel when we were watching that and that commercial came on, that was easily cooler and made Sting look cooler than anything TNA ever did with him. And then you said that those sentiments were echoed by somebody else who said even WCW they didn't feel. That just speaks to the, the chasm between the quality of production with WWE and everybody else. And that was and, only like 30 seconds. And 30 seconds. Last time I, the last memory I have of Sting, because I checked out again, uh, again, third or fourth or eighth time with TNA um, after seeing the last bound for glory. Sting wrestling in a t shirt against Magnus. He can't even sit all the way down to apply the Scorpion Deathlock. It was sad and pathetic. It was like watching Willie Mays in a Mets uniform in center field, stumbling around the outfield. It was like Johnny Unitas throwing a wobbly football interception in a Chargers uniform. It was just like, oh, man, I put him out to pastor in 30 seconds with the help of an orchestra. A painted orchestra. A painted orchestra. Suddenly Sting matters again in a company he's never been in before. And in that game, you can have... Old Sting with the flat top and the you know the like the neon colors, and you can have Crow Sting. So, <laughs> related note: uh, Rachel and I were watching the network, and um, 
we decided to watch the best of um, WCW Monday Nitro. Oh, yeah. That's on, it's like an hour special, I think. Right. And, taken from the three-disc three, three disc set. And that special opens up with Sting versus Ric Flair in the Mall of America in the main event oh. of the first Monday Nitro. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And uh, we're watching, and like me and Rachel are staring at the screen. Flair makes his entrance, and she goes, wow, he looks exactly the same, except his hair is better. And then I looked and noticed, and I was like, wow, it really all is his hair that makes the difference. Now he looks like he's got weak strands of spaghetti he's trying to gel back. Back then, he had a nice, luscious head of hair that beautifully wicked back the blood to really make his, his uh, crimson mask stand out. But then Sting came out, and she had seen early Sting before. I showed her the match from Clash of Champions. And then they got in the ring, and then they locked up, and then magic started happening. And, well, it's Flair and Sting in WCW. Yeah, right. Yeah. And they did back and forth, back and forth for about the first 10 minutes. You know, leapfrogs, you know, crisscross, every, all this stuff. Just pure athleticism. Go, go, go fast, trying to out quick, outspeed each other. And, and Flair, or, uh, Sting always getting the outshine with some kind of power move. And <laughs> they go, they do the sequence, and it's move, 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 move. And then Flair picks up, uh, or Sting picks up Flair, presses him over his head, and slams him down to the mat. And at that moment, it, like, woke Rachel up out of her trance. And she goes, that was Sting? <laughs> that used to be Sting? Like, because, again, all the Sting she knew of, other than a couple of the matches I'd shown her, was TNA Sting. Which the, is the worst in, of all possible stings. The, uh, yeah, the t-shirt and the just, nah. The t-shirt. t-shirt and the Joker. What is it with Sting? Or had the bird watch Eric Bischoff or whatever. Now, now I'll give Sting credit. He he made the most of that angle and really kind of reinvented himself, so to speak. Just as far as his, his, you know, his delivery goes. But what is it with Sting and needing to bite off of characters from movies that were released three, four, five years before he actually decided to adopt the character. I could see if he became the Crow, like in 1991 or two, or whenever it was that the Crow actually came out and was 90, popular. I want to say 94. 94. If he did the 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 Joker makeup, like right, like before Heath Ledger died, <laughs> when all the buzz was going, I could maybe see that. It would look a little bitey off of E, but I can under- doesn't care. Yeah, I can understand it. But... Why? Why go back so old? I don't know, but now he's back to Sting just before that hat. Well, WCW, Crow Sting, I guess. We'll see how that goes with uh, as time goes by. Or I'm sure his his match is going to be a Mania. It's not gonna. You're not going to see him like in the ring, like in an actual match until Mania. I, I think you'll see him do some run-ins, see, but I kind of don't want to see him in an actual match at all, unless he's really busted his ass and gotten himself in really good yeah. shape. Which knowing Sting is incre- entirely and possible. And everyone's still saying Undertaker. And it's like, what if the Undertaker is gone? What if he's hurt? He can't perform. You know, what's your backup then, kid? What, what huh? kind of match do you think they're going to put together? Sting gets in the ring, unfolds a hefty bag, reaches, climbs out of the ring, gets a broom and a dustpan, throws it into the ring. Takes the bag, the dustpan, and the broom over to where the pile of what used to be the Undertaker laying there in a broken mass of heap of pieces used to be, and and Sting just sweeps him into the dustpan and then dumps him in the bag and carries him out like like a newly uh, 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 cremated animal from the the shelter or something. <laughs> I mean, what Taker's done? That's what I mean. He's done. He should have been done last year. It was sad. Before Brock Lesnar beat the streak, we were sitting there watching it. It was sad. He was old and broken. 
no more Undertaker. I just want him to ride off into the sunset like the cowboy that he is, and thank you for all the memories. Well, we'll talk about some other thank you for the memory later. Um, also, this is what I also... Okay, so we'll move on from that. Uh, Big E and Cesaro, but Kofi Kingston in the corner just reminded him... But seeing Kofi in that corner just reminded me of like, I'm going to get my big brother to beat you up. Come on, Cesaro. Yeah, my brother's here. The entire time Rachel and I were watching the match, I was going, yeah, get him. Get him, Biggie. You can do it. Get him. Yeah. You get him. And then after the match, I was like, he's like that little dog that jumped around Spike. He's like, like a chihuahua. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do today, Spike? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, no. Why'd you ask him a question? Now he's to talk. And, but Cesaro came out minus Sands, Paul Heyman. So yeah, minus that, and sans Paul Heyman, sorry. and also <laughs> conspicuous by his absence, and yeah. also without, without what else? Hearsay, ergo, um, vis a vis, yeah, prop any, talk. yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Paul Heyman list, but I guess that's going to be him setting up to have to go with Lesnar, which Beautiful. again, well, yeah, it's great to be without. Hay- <clears throat> I mean, as it's weird to say that, but yeah, it's like he'll be probably better off without Heyman in the corner, but also kind of just dumps him off, saying, "Oh, you're just second fiddle right now," because. Brock Lesnar's coming back. I hope that that's not just how they're going to leave it, because what I would hope is that after all these weeks of my client Brock Lesnar, my client Brock Lesnar, my client Brock Lesnar, is that now after Heyman having completely abandoned Cesaro, that Cesaro will kind of be like the next time we see him with Heyman, and Heyman says, my client Brock Lesnar, to see Cesaro be like, hey, wait a minute. What about me? You what know? about Cesaro? Yeah. Brock Lesnar, and- Brock Lesnar beat The Undertaker's uh, uh, undefeated streak at WrestleMania months ago. Yeah, it's great that he did it, but he did it months ago. What about me? I'm right here, right now. Like, why? Give me your attention, and then it'll cause tension between them, just like it did with Heyman and CM Punk. And then they can, you know, make it make something out of it. That's what I'm hoping happens, because I think that would make a, a lot of sense if they just brushed off Cesaro and he's no longer with Heyman now, and they're going to go right into this thing with Heyman and and uh, Lesnar. Kind of cheap, I think. Why even bother with it in the first place? Yeah, that's yeah to me because kind of makes Cesaro feel like, oh, you're just a filler girlfriend. It's like you were the you were the rebound girlfriend right. until my actual girlfriend wanted to come get back with me. But I mean, I mean, it looks bad, Cesaro. And Cesaro, is I'll a- bet in that relationship, Lesnar's the top. Lesnar can be whatever he wants. Cheers. You know, I mean, he's the rock- top. He's the Tower of Pizza. All right. <laughs> okay. Um. So yeah, uh, Biggie over Cesaro, unfortunately, with them um, after Kofi decided to go, I'm going to grab the chair from you, and, you know. Kofi. Kofi, grab a chair. Tell me how that tastes. <laughs> and Jericho comes out, cutting a, you know, Jericho being Jericho. And we have a, we have Wyatt with a big black eye from Ric Flair, or whatever you want to say. <laughs> Jesus. Wyatt with a black eye. Let's just let that moment linger yeah look like up, you, you see that you see how that is right there on the on our little wavy thingy on our where we're recording that's you after that joke okay see that how flat it is yeah it's flatter than than well it's pretty damn flat i tells you yeah it is we're keeping that in there by the way no of course we are <laughs> yeah um we keep everything in <laughs> um but yeah jericho i, I didn't notice like uh, some douchebags in the crowd after the <laughs> After Wyatt, he's here. Boring. Boring. He's talking. I guess we've jumped up a little bit from PG to PG-13 at least. Why is that douchebags? Is that bad? I don't know. Damn, we'll they see. Say, they, if, say on, they say it on TV. We'll see what Samo says. Yeah. 
He seems to listen to this before he posts it. That's right. <laughs> like, like, can you guys redo some of this stuff? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I'm at work. <laughs> um, but uh, You work for me now. <laughs> anyway, uh, to the salt mines. Um, I've got the black lung, Pop. <laughs> okay so promo jericho wyatt um i don't know why they're chanting boring it's freaking bray wyatt they just want to be stupid or the same people who when he came out husky harris like mm. you know what i'll bet it was the same yeah freaking people it was the same a-hole that went to the all-star game last night and waited till Der- Derek jeter got up to the plate and waited till the entire stadium gave silence for him to take his at bat because the captain is retiring at the age of 40, one of the greatest Yankees, one of the greatest baseball players of all time, and all these young, this new generation was giving him the respect that he deserves, and on TV you can audibly hear somebody in the crowd go, overrated! Really? O- overrated? Didn't he like, hit a triple or something after that? Yeah, he sure did. He sure did. Uh, overrated, huh? Okay. How many championships did he win? I wasn't 27, but that's do you ask a Yankee fan? It's 27 rings. <laughs> but the well, uh, point is, he helped them win. I think it was five of them. Yes. So, I don't know. Five championships doesn't sound very overrated to me. 14 or 15 or however many it was. All-star 3, 000, appearances. 3,000 hits. Over 3,000 yeah. hits. He's easily 3, a Hall of Famer. 3,000 the home run. Not only is he easily a Hall of Famer, but unlike some of those people I talked about earlier, Willie Mays, Johnny Unitas, he's going out on top. He's not waiting until he's worthless and a big bag of nothing before he finally gets drug off the field and has the uniform ripped off his body. He's saying, you know what? I'm good here. Thanks for everything. I think that's to be commended. But some people just have to crap on everything, I guess. No, there, it's just, it's, just, it's it, no matter, I mean, the internet has brought it out more, but it's always been there. I would also like to say, I need to clarify something. I hate the Yankees. Not as much as I hate the Dodgers, because the Dodgers are just wretched and hor- horrible, horrible team, uh, full of just <laughs> the worst kind of, of of vermin from Hell's Gate. Except for Vin Scully, right? Except, of course, because he's been friggin' Scully. Uh, but the Yankees are pretty close. <laughs> I detest everything they stand for and everything they believe in. Um, I, I kind of... Wouldn't mind seeing a Siberian-style sinkhole 242 feet wide open up under Yankee Stadium and hopefully have the weight of it crushing down, widen the sinkhole until everything that has a Yankee logo on it gets sucked under to the pits of hell. But love me some Derek Jeter. Wow. I like how you see that once again. You see this long little pause here before we go. But that's that's how you do it. Dramatic effect. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love technology. Um, we have AJ and, and then we have AJ and Eva Marie. No, there was it is what it was. But then like the whole thing with Paige and them like sitting there talking and then like she sits on the thing and looks at Paige. And goes, "How you doing? Okay, good. Friend, they're like us. They're, they're BFFs now." <laughs> Isn't it great? They're uh, getting along so well. They have mutual respect for one another as competitors. Don't you understand? I mean, I do, but where'd you get that voice? Oh. Oh, I don't know. We were just we were talking about the divas, so I just figured I had to hold my breath until enough brain cells died, and then I could speak appropriately. Well, but, but it's AJ and Paige, so it's different. Paige. Yeah. yeah. But only from reason there, maybe that's why you felt a habit to do that. That, like, Alicia Fox comes up, you're like, I don't care. Yeah, that was pretty much. But AJ Lee balances it out. 
Alicia Fox looks like a wretched, horrible person. <laughs> so is our angle. She's probably totally sweet, but um, somebody should throw her into a wood chipper. Ouch! <laughs> no, I was just waiting to see if you were paying attention. No, I don't no, really I heard mean that. that. Look at the next thing we talk about because we need to believe right now. We always need to believe. Well, because yeah. you can't stop believing, Fran. No, I don't. No, you have to. Just ask Steve Perry. You have to bow for it. <laughs> Bo Dallas took on the great Kali. Connect four. Floor, it comes back. See the thread I wove through this podcast like a master, like a master basket weaver. So, oh yeah, where can hate mail be sent for for those who are Yankee fans? By the way, for Yankee fans and Dodger fans. Well, there is a uh, there's actually a podcast out there. Most teams have several podcasts. There's lots of Angels Sorry if podcasts. You hear me. It's really hot in here, and I had to drink. Sorry if you heard that. There's we're nothing but professional here. Yeah, there's plenty of Angels podcasts. I mean. <laughs> Any old Jagoff can pick up a microphone and have a podcast nowadays. But yeah, I know. There's only one podcast out there that services both the horrible Yankee and detestable Dodger fans, and it's called The Wrestling Buddies on iTunes.com. <laughs> um, that's where you can visit the most hardcore of Yankees and Dodger fans. Oh, wow. At The Wrestling Buddies. We're never getting tickets again. <laughs> um, Remember when we had friends? Yeah. But they're frenemies. Oh, jeez. Because we're such good friends. That's right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now I'm doing it. Um, so anyway, Bo Dallas, great collie. Wow. Bo made the most of it. I'll tell you that much. He made the most of it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but um, Bo tried to talk. Great collie's a... I gotta go back. He's a douchebag. <laughs> Another douchebag? Yeah, because he, you know Bo tries to tell him to bully him and he hits him with a nice chop in the head. Yeah, he chopped him right in the head. Stood right next to a mountain. <laughs> he didn't. Oh, you couldn't find a bow for that? No, I just decided to go back to Hogan. Okay. <laughs> Chopped it down with the edge of his hand. <laughs> I'm like the rally monkey. I jump around. Jump around. And we're Angel fans, and yeah, if you're against oh yeah, what's your team? Yeah, we have a winning record against you. Shut up. No, uh, it's, it's, that's, that's a little harsh, Fran. It's oh. really just, we're Angel fans. We live in Southern California. We love the Angels. And I'm sure that a lot of you people out there love your team, your hometown team, that aren't as good as the Angels. Um, <laughs> uh, it's okay um, that you're wrong <laughs> if you think that your team's better than the Angels, because you were probably just raised poorly. So, <laughs> Oh, man, we are really losing listeners to this, after this show. <laughs> this is what happens when we settle in. When we believe? Yes. All right. Um... This is episode four. I know I made that joke already, but it was in a different context, so it's okay. Okay. Um, but anyway, so... Hang co- on, I forgot. We're talking to wrestling fans. Context. No, never mind. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, Bo, Bo, Bo Dallas is still one of the best things on Raw every week. The most inspirational thing I can He's think of. He's my favorite thing on Raw right now. I love every time he comes out. Everything he does is great. And anybody who's crapping on him is just bitter. It's just bitterness talking. Because I don't know how old he is. He can't be older than 23, 24, right? Probably something like that. Yeah. And he is crushing with this gimmick. And it's getting over. And, and just, he's good. And that's what makes it for me is the, how, the fact that JBL gets so serious during this thing. How he, how inspired he is by this. Oh, God, Michael. This is, <laughs> this is inspirational. I love it. Man. I love it. It's just, I sense Winston Churchill. <laughs> Michael, I tell you. And King, you know, I think of the most inspirational people in my life. I think of 
Well, I think, uh, I think of Roy Rogers, the man's man. I think of, um, I think of Mussolini, mainly because I'm a heel. That's what JBL does. And I think of this man. Bo Dallas! <laughs> Why does he yell? He just yells for no reason. It's like he's got Tourette's. Well, him and Austin, imagine they had a podcast together. Oh my god. It would, it would be a shout cast. <laughs> anyway, so let's move on now. <laughs> Can't believe this. <laughs> This show's out of control. Today. Austin, yeah. If if we were, I, by the way, Stone Cold Steve Austin's my favorite wrestler of all time. You listen to his podcast, maybe where uh, not just the earbuds you're listening with, but some earplugs also, because you'll still be able to hear him. Apparently, uh, from Albuquerque. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, Austin three sixteen means I can't hear you. I can hear myself. Okay, yeah. That what thing was not a gimmick. It was legitimate. It was a complete shoot the whole time. <laughs> what? When they when the crowd started wetting him back, he was just like, "Oh, they can't hear me." They go louder. Ah. <laughs> so anyway, see you guys all down the road. <laughs> I love you, Steve. Austin's gonna kill us. He's my daddy. He's gonna kill us if he finds out. Um, yeah, because I'm sure he's really got his fingers on the pulse of steel cage carnage. Yeah, uh, check out that steel uh, cage carnage there, and uh, you're making fun of me. What? So you're making fun of me. What? Anyway. So, main event. <laughs> I love. Don't you, I'm the greatest in the transitions. I know, Mister Segway. We call him Mr. mainly because he rides around on a two wheeled gimmick that cost him three hundred dollars. I won't. I do want one, <laughs> Mister Segway. Yeah. No one knows. No one will get that song. Let's turn the nineties. If you um, understand the reference to the Mister Segway song, please get a hold of us and email us at steelcagecarnage at gmail dot com, or find us on Twitter or Facebook or any of the other plugs we're going to give you at the end of the show. Or if you hate, if you hate, you hate what I did, you know, hate mail comes into the wrestling buddies. We can't give them more plugs than us. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so main event. Once or twice, the show's fun, but they're going to start paying. Yeah. Well, I need to get my segue somehow. Um, so, main event. It's not really a segue if you just no, blurt no, no, no. something out that has nothing to do with what you're about to talk about. That's more of a non sequitur. No, I'm talking about getting a segue you said for 300 bucks. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, John Cena, Roman Reigns. I want to get me one of those non sequiturs. The wheels are square, but boy, are they a fun ride. <laughs> okay, so anyway. Cena, Roman Reigns, taking on Kane, Seth Rollins, and Randy Orton. You know what I did during this match? fell asleep i fast forwarded because because it's been the same formula every week if you just distill something to its basic parts have we not essentially seen this match every week on raw for about the last three months it's ended in the same way every (laughs) Every time time. it's roman reigns with a spear right i mean i get it you want to push the guy to the moon he's a you know, we've talked about it before on the show. Great, he's a great athlete, great look, everything's there, but you know, needs a little bit of tweaking. But they need to, you know, push new new guys. And I get that you want to hunt salmon in the wild like a bear. That's why you have a spear. But you don't have to go about it the same way all the time. Sometimes you can use dynamite. Sometimes you can just reach down in there and they'll jump right into your little hand because they think you got food. Doesn't always have to be a spear. It could be a Superman punch. It's true. Or it could be. You know what? I wish he didn't stop using the power bomb. Just because it's not a triple power bomb anymore doesn't mean it's. Not. I mean, he had most of the force on the triple power bomb. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose just kind of put their one hand on the side and were like, "Wee!" guided it down. But Roman Reigns was doing all the work, so I bet if he actually just power bombed somebody regular, it would still hurt. Oh yeah, yeah, like a Sid Vicious power bomb. Yeah, except you know he won't smash anyone's face on the top of a cage. Hopefully, ah, <laughs> oh, Sid, Sid. 
I don't know if you cry, baby. <laughs> I still know what that means when I saw that on that on the countdown. Isn't it funny how the biggest, most imposing guys in the business are the dumbest? Have the the most least, most least. Wow, what happened to me? Have the least non sequitur. Yeah, have the least imposing real name. Psycho Sid, Sid Vicious, Yudi. <laughs> Yudi, you, Yudi, Yudi. What a like? What's a Yudi? I don't know, but Roman Reigns still sounds pretty badass to me. Roman Reigns does sound badass. It sounds like a Marvel character, actually. Well, yeah, but the, the correlation I'm making isn't that Roman Reigns doesn't sound badass. It's that if he was like Psycho Sid, his name would be something like Roman uh, Yudi. Roman Yudi. <laughs> yeah, Roman Yudi. We but, haven't drank anything. Fran had vodka like hours ago, but we haven't drank anything recently. Oh, this is, uh, yeah. So Raw's over. <laughs> anyway. That's a good, you finally found a transition. All right. Um, well, I wish we had it's game time music so I could play it. So we can move on. Yay. So I'll give you, I'll give you the option. We could talk about some di- couple topics we have, we had written down, well, typed down, or we could talk about Battleground. Well, let's go ahead and put over uh, the pay-per-view that's coming up before we get to that stuff, because it won't take long. Won't um, take we already said, I think that the sleeper match on this card is going to be Jack Swagger and um, uh, Rusev. Rusev. I think that could be a really fantastic match. I'm not looking forward to the Fatal 4-Way at all, because Fatal 4-Ways are always cluster Fs, without exception. And uh, <laughs> John Cena is going to be in it, which is cool, but whatever. Uh, I don't expect Roman Reigns to win it at all. I expect... Most probably Cena to come away with the belt, or it's been leaked already for SummerSlam. Yeah, but they could always change it. Yeah, people thought they knew what Daniel Bryan was going to do at WrestleMania too, and they ended up going and becoming a legend. So I don't put any stock into what I read on the internet as complete fact. But if what has been floating around out there is true, we're getting ready to see Paul Heyman offer the services of Brock Lesnar to take down John Cena. Eh. We saw it before. Yeah, and it was, eh, then. I mean, it was basically John Cena beating the, getting the crap beat out of him and then one punch with a, with a chain, and that was it. John Cena got owned. Like, he got owned. And then, yeah, all of a sudden, really quickly, he comes back and wins. Like, all right. And then the rematch, I don't even remember what happened. It was not it was so unmemorable. I don't remember that either, was there? I don't even think there was a rematch after that. I thought they wrestled twice. No, I think it was once. They just had, like, a couple confrontations, and that was it. Hmm. Then he was gone for a bit. Well, in any case, I'm not really looking forward to a John Cena-Brock Lesnar match. Uh, I would be looking forward to what presumably would come after that down the line somewhere, which would be a Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match, but I think even months away at WrestleMania 31, it's still going to be a bit too soon to go ahead and pull the trigger on something like that. I think Reigns is still... I think He's come a long way in a short amount of time. But he's still got a ways to go. It's going to depend on um, the, I guess you can say the, how is it, the landscape, how who's who's injured, who's not, who can they push. But that's right. Right now, why range is there? Because like you know, Daniel Bryan's out, um, Bad News Barrett is out, and those were two of the guys that were really trying to put the you know get the two belts on them, and they're trying to get them elevated. But then you know, fate had its fate plays a fate played a hand, and both are injured right now. I also think that, um, going back to the Steve Austin thing, uh, maybe the reason Steve Austin is like yelling on all his podcasts or uh, still says, what, 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 is because he's trying to teach something to Roman Reigns. He's trying to tell him to speak up. 
What I mean is no one can hear you. You're probably cutting a decent promo. But you can't expect the TV cameras to pick you up when you should come talk like this. Yeah, look at that. Look at that compared to our normal voice. I'm I'm my ear is plastered against the volume box of my old tube TV here in the living room trying to hear what the hell is he talking about? I don't know. But he's big and bad looking, so Yeah. And he he brushes his hair back once in a while. Speak up. Yeah. I'm not gonna tell him to his face though. I mean, you, you can do that. Yeah, I'll, next time I see him I'll let him know. Yeah, I know. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose is on this card. Uh, that could be pretty good. I mean, it I, could be a fun it could be a fun match, I'll put it that way. Well it'll be fun because Dean Ambrose is just amazing and Seth Rollins uh still Seth sucks Liskin. giant yeah. Um sucks giant um horse mane. And horse yeah, horse mane. He just really? sucks it up. If the <laughs> hair, you know, is, you know what that is, right? It's the, the hair. And yeah, not the other part of the body. No, uh, no, I know what the other part of the body is. I said mane on purpose because I'm trying to reel it in a little bit. But that's how bad he sucks. The other thing is easy to suck. Anybody can do that. Chicks do it all the time. So do dudes. I mean, it's just there. You put your mouth on it. I guess. <laughs> of course, I'm talking about fingers. Because well, that's what happens when you're horses have fingers. Three and four years old. Have you not? Have you never seen a horse with their hooves off? I'm not getting into this. <laughs> Very wise, my friend. Very wise. When the bronies will start talking about it. Okay. Well, like they know what the ponies do when they go home at night and take their hooves off and hang them up on the wall for the next day. Like, what they do with their fingers in their private time back in Bronyville or whatever is their business. And I say, more power to them. All right. <laughs> Something kind of about a royal. <laughs> it's a battle royal. Anyway, then we're not talking people, a bunch of Japanese school kids on an island. Uh, these are actually 20 wrestlers fighting it out for the Intercontinental title. Japanese school kids on an island? Yeah, the movie, Battle Royal. <laughs> the great description of it. Is that the official like DVR description? Like if we went and if it was on TV, would it say like 20 kids dropped off on a Japanese island? No, they, I mean, they're, they're a bunch of kids on a bus and they're giving weapons and stuff. But that'd be kind of cool to give them weapons in this Battle Royal. But we'll just have them just wrestle. Um, <laughs> Imagine that on a wrestling yeah. pay-per-view. Well, come on. If you've seen TNA. Um, who's come? I don't know. Who do, you think who do you think is up there who could be worthy of winning that title, do you think? I think it's coming back with Cena. No, no, no. The Intercontinental. Oh, the Intercontinental? Yeah, it's oh. going back to Cena anyway. Yeah, Cena's going to win that too because Cena wins everything. He sucks. Yeah. C-Nation sucks. Hmm. Anyway, so Intercontinental Battle Royal. Um, um, I think that there's a good shot that they put it on uh, Cesaro, especially if they're going to try to peak something with Cesaro and Lesnar. Do you see Bo Dallas, maybe? I would love to see Bo Dallas win it. I actually said that to Rachel on Monday. I said, man, if they have any balls at all, they will put that belt on Bo Dallas because he's good, he's got the juice behind him, and if he wins in a really crappy, like chicken-ass heel way... And he just steals the belt. Essentially, he'll have so much heat on him, and he'll be able to take that and parade it around. And oh, it'd be great! And I, I'd love to see it. I would want to see. I, mean, I think I've mentioned this before. I still want to see. Let them do what because they talk about you know nine, whatever in Bo and his on his record. <laughs> let him do what Mister Perfect did for the year over a year. Let him just be undefeated and get oh, so much heat. Yeah, that'd be great. And then you know, because and, and that'll make it matter because if he does when someone wins a new kind of title from him. It's going to matter that much more to beat the undefeated person. That's the undefeated true. Man. They did the same thing with Kurt Angle. When Kurt Angle debuted, they had him go undefeated until they debuted Taz in Madison Square Garden. He was the first guy to beat Kurt Angle. Yeah. 
it worked per- it worked well and that's a it's a i've been thinking along the same lines fran i think that would be great if they did that with bo dallas i don't have the faith in wwe creative that they have the balls anymore to drag something out that long i was completely shocked when they did it with cm punk but cm punk was selling tons of merchandise for them i don't know that bo is selling as much can't be selling near as much as CM Punk was selling back during that time. No, but I want a Believe shirt. I certainly want a Believe shirt. I hear shirts are just words, but that's kind of cool. Yes, for sure. Um, so we also have... Oh, a- wait a minute. Speaking of that Battle Royal, though, and speaking of people with cool shirts, what does upset me is the now removal, as, as if all of the speculation on the internet wasn't enough about these two guys, the removal of Damian Sandow and Adam Rose from the Battle Royal... They no longer will be able to compete for the Intercontinental Championship. And that's a shame because that just suggests to me that maybe this crap role they've used these guys in is kind of here to stay. Uh, but Adam Rose is just so good. Damien Sandow, too. Damien, there was a time where Damien Sandow was my favorite guy on the roster. And talent-wise, he's, he's still up at the top. It's just, uh, it sucks to see their talent get wasted like that. I just don't know. I don't know what he did. <laughs> yeah, I right? want to know. Who does he have pictures of? Maybe it was mach- wasn't Macho Man after all back when Stephanie was young. Uh, oh, allegedly, um, let's throw it out there. Um, wow, how do you go from that to the Divas Championship with AJ and Paige? This is the match we all been waiting to see, though. This is one of the most exciting matches on this pay per view. Uh, I'm I'm eager to see how this plays out, and uh, if my suspicion is right, and they're going to turn Paige heel against AJ only makes sense because who's going to boo AJ? AJ's too good at what she does at this point. She's she's just going to be beloved regardless. And Paige isn't fully established yet as a... Paige isn't fully superstar. established, and she's a foreigner, so she's easy to hate, even though she's really pretty to look at. So I, I love her evil, just staring at that. <laughs> oh, and sorry. Um, so yeah, so uh, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how they turn it out, and I hope that it ends up being that Paige turns on AJ and not the other way around, because I don't turns? think that would work. Page turns, yeah. Page turns. Yeah, here we go. On the road again. Turn the page. Wow. That's true. Alright, and uh Dallas Page. You see that long pause right there for that? I did. Alright. So we also have Usos and Ronan Harper, but I believe this is two out of three falls, I think. I don't know. What is this? The eight hundredth time they've wrestled each other? Who just put the belts crap? on the other guys. Just 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 Put the belts on them or bring the Ascension up and let the Ascension kill everybody and have a demolition round with the tag team titles. Do something because this Usos... And First of all, one reason that I've never been into this Uso thing... You know what? For all you people who want to crap on John Cena, at least when John Cena was in his promo with Way- Bray Wyatt, he acted like he was worried about Bray Wyatt. There were times where John Cena got too cartoony with it and got too comedy and flip with it, but then he got serious. And when he got serious and started taking Bray Wyatt as a credible threat... And being concerned and scared and bothered and perturbed by Bray Wyatt. It was interesting. The Usos keep coming out with those dumb grins on their faces every friggin' week. No matter how bad those two guys beat the crap out of them. They come out there shaking their tongues out of their mouth and just being retarded. It's like, take them seriously. They're the Wyatts. They're they're Luke Harper and and the other guy <laughs> nobody cares about because he wears Rowan. a mask. Yeah, Eric Rowan, who I actually like a lot. Um, they're they've been positioned as bad dudes, and not only that, disturbingly bad dudes. You want to come out with your smiley faces and your super baby face like sugary crap at first, fine. But at some point, get serious. At some point, take these guys seriously. Don't keep doing yeah, John Cena promos. T- change your tone. 
<laughs> Change it <laughs> up. Sauna. Yeah. That, 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 was it this past Monday they did that in-ring promo where they were like, oh, here's how it's good. This was perfect. I think it was this past Monday. Two out of three falls. Usos. Two out of three falls, mind you. Usos versus uh, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. And they do this little skit in the ring with the announcer man, who I don't know who that was because I think it's a new guy. Um, or a guy I just haven't been paying attention to. And they're all smiles and, man, we know what's going to happen. And they essentially commentated the match as they saw it happening at Battleground. Oh, and then he's going to catch the Uso. And then Uso, crazy. By the way, same a-hole in the, the creative team that thought of that. Must be shot. Yeah, that guy needs seriously to be thrown into a wood chipper. <laughs> like al- when, um, along with Beyonce. It was like when um, uh, Mike Adamy was going the, you're making me crazy. Yeah. Jamaican be crazy, like every like other sentence. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. Uso crazy sucks, and they need to stop it. It's not funny. And it sounds like something that would have been on Martin, like, 1992. <laughs> yeah, is that a Shanene quote you just pulled to put on a t-shirt to push your tag team champions? Stop it. You're embarrassing yourselves. Uh, so, yeah, so speaking of the Wyatts, uh, Jericho, and this could be, this is gonna, probably going to be good, too. I hope so, but Jericho I, and Bray Wyatt. I'm, but I'm really trying not to go into it with too high of expectations because it I, does have the chance to be really good. I really think though this for this because it's the first match. I think Jericho's going to go over, but I think in the end, at SummerSlam on the bigger stage is when Bray Wyatt will go over Jericho. Maybe um, I actually wouldn't mind not. I wouldn't mind seeing like a no finish tonight or tonight. Uh, Battleground days. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a no finish. I wouldn't mind seeing the uh, Harper and Rowan get involved. Uh, something, because I don't know necessarily that Bray has to come out and beat Jericho right away. I certainly don't want to see Jericho come out and just you know snuff out Bray Wyatt. But if somehow chaos erupted, as they are apt to do when the Wyatts are in the building, uh, that would be. I think that would be fine, because when he does beat Jericho, I think it should be something really meaningful and not just right out the gate. I hope, anyway. Yeah. And pretty much that's it for... Uh... For Battleground. Battleground, um, that's right. Well, pre-show, it's the Battle of Funkadactyls. Um, we'll move on. We're at an hour already. How much uh, of these topics should we do? Or should we do them all and just push this to... Well, should actually, we just make this a 90-minute podcast? Uh, we'll see. We'll, let's go along. With, we'll, we'll, it might evolve into a 90-minute podcast. We're trying to work out some, some gimmicks and some uh, some uh, segments and stuff for you. Some... some um, wow, why am I not pulling the word up? Some skits and gags and whatnot. Also, some interviews, some potentially big interviews coming up. Uh, you let us know. What do you think? Is an hour of our nonsense enough, or could you stomach us for another 30 minutes? Well, this one let actually will be, this is going to be, I'll go on this one because it'll be all for you. You can go off what you want because your opinion. Uh, CM Punk's quote-unquote farewell that everyone's talking oh. about. The thank you, Punk, hashtag thank you, Punk, and Punk said, you know, to sum up, oh, thank you, no, thank you for the support and blah, blah, blah. It's disgusting. So, you go ahead. It's disgusting. <clears throat> it's nothing but... I mean, I get it. CM Punk is a great performer. CM Punk uh, has built a fan base over the last 15 years. And that fan base is going to be sad because they can't see him wrestle anymore. Because when he is on top, he is unquestionably one of the best in the world. But this is also a guy... Thank you, Punk. Thank you, Punk. Thank you for what? Thank you for walking out on your contract six months early. Thank you for taking your ball and going home. And not only that... But leaving the company and all of your coworkers and all of your friends kind of in the lurch during the most important time of your company's season, essentially, 
I mean, it, whatever was going on, uh, if he was hurt, I wish somebody would come out and say he was hurt. I wish somebody would come out and say, you know what? Punk had busted up ribs. Punk's knees were completely obliterated. He just needed to go home and chill for a while because he kept coming back too soon. I'd be totally fine with that. But the complete dead silence <clears throat> and the immediate moving of his profile to the alumni page suggests to me that there is some sort of petulance going on, that there is some sort of, oh, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Because Punk even said in his farewell message, don't take shit from anybody. Well, who's supposed to take shit when an employer has an employee under contract, has elements of their company going forward and the, the betterment of their company hinging on that one employee to a large degree, and that employee just goes home and tells them to go F themselves and lets them fend for themselves. Thank you. Thank you for what? Thank you for showing us how not to be a professional. Thank you for not honoring your commitments. Thank you for shining an example that a lot of indie guys who are trying to come up are going to use as an excuse to be unprofessional. Well, CM Punk did it. He, if he taught me anything, it's that you stand up for yourself and you don't take crap. You know who else might be a, a pretty cool uh, person to take a lesson from? All the other people who honored their contract. All the other people who stuck it out and just... You know, there's, CM Punk's not the first person in the history of wrestling to not like what he was given to do. It's okay. He's not a director. He's talent. So he's getting paid either way, whether we don't know why he left, whether it was he was unhappy with his place in the WrestleMania card, whether there was behind the scenes stuff going on, who knows. But all that we do know is he had six months left on his contract. And right before the biggest pay-per-view and the biggest payday for everybody on that roster, he skipped out on him. So thank you, punk. No, F you, punk. <laughs> yeah. So hate me, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, so yeah, I remember what you were talking about that. I was like, I'm just gonna let you go for that one because that was you wanted to say it, so I let you do it. Well, I, I didn't want to say it. I wasn't like horsing the crap oh, on I know, CM I know, Punk. I, know. I you said should we talk about Punk leaving, and I was like, well, yeah, but I'm gonna probably rail on him. So so yeah, let's I go. wasn't like <laughs> I would have been perfectly happy to not even talk about him. As a matter of fact, I would be perfectly content if once we were done with this uh podcast, we just edited every mention of his name right out of it and never talked about him again. But uh whatever, we'll probably leave it in cuz we're lazy. Yeah. So, actually well, well one one leaves. We're not really lazy. One comes kind of lazy. One is now coming in is the man who um actually is the innovator of the go to sleep that CM Punk uses? <laughs> Kenta is yeah. the quote unquote first signing by Hulk Hogan. Well, to well, especially in Japan because I guess Hulk, you know, Hulk Hogan's big. So a, you know, he was a big name here, but even in Japan, it's like ooh, Hulk Hogan. Well, I'll tell you what, Kenta does a lot of things. Kenta does a go to sleep. I forget what he calls it. Kent, it, was called, it was go to sleep. Kenta does a lot of good wrestling moves. The big knee everybody you see Samoa Joe do or Daniel Bryan do came from Kenta. But what I want to know is, does he do this? Does he do that? Is he big and strong and quick as a cat? Because I don't know if the man called Kenta is, but I know the man called Sting is. He's the man called Sting. He's the man called Sting. He's the man called Sting. All right. <laughs> He's the man called but Sting. So, Kenta, though, they're not bringing him immediately to the main roster. He is starting NXT, which I think is good. Cause but, but he has to. Yeah, because he needs to adapt to the WWE style, 
course, and because uh, maybe they're trying to avoid the Sin Cara, especially to avoid that Sin Cara, the Sin Cara. Well, uh, the Sin Cara problem wasn't necessarily because he wasn't adjusted to the uh, WWE styles because it was a 19-year-old punk kid who had a crappy attitude, but, uh, allegedly. But, uh, you know, Kenta, I'm not, I gotta say, I'm not a huge fan of Japanese wrestling. Uh, I'm not a strong style proponent. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about what's going on in Japan. Of course, I know Kenta because he's a legend over there. Just like I know, you know, Muda, everybody knows Muda and Shinya Hashimoto and Tenzan, all these guys. Um, uh, Antonio Noki, you know, list goes on. But um, it's interesting to me how many guys here in the States that really carved their name on the indie feds and spent a little time in Japan have stolen blatantly from him to, and called it a tribute. <laughs> Wink. Best in the world. Um <laughs> And now he's here. So what are they going to do? Are they going to let Kenta do all of his moves? Are they going to tell everybody who's doing his moves to stop doing his moves? Or is everybody just going to do the same moves? Should be interesting. How's his English? Can he cut a promo? I don't know. I don't know if he cut a promo. Uh, he's a badass, that's for sure. He's a bad dude. But how are they going to get him over? Because I they... think this is one of the things where they're going to have to go with that pure athlete, pure wrestling kind of thing. They can, and that's fine. And, and to see him, when they start seeing some of that NXT stuff, I guess working with like Adrian Neville and Sami Zayn, it's going to be some good stuff. It is, but here's the problem. That he's a pure athlete, he's a pure wrestler. That's fine. I can appreciate that. Everybody's got a role. If that's his role, that's fine. Let's look at the Japanese wrestlers who have come to WWE. Uh, let's look at Hakushi, who was awesome. Just awesome. And they had Senja, who was, who was supposed to be his mouthpiece. Matches that he had with Brett the Hitman Hart were fantastic. Did things in the ring nobody in the States had seen at that time, because that was before like the heyday of tape trading. Um, who else? Tajiri. Okay, Tajiri came to ECW, where what you could do in the ring could get you over and overcome your personality traits. That ain't the way it is in the WWE. Did Tajiri have a nice run in WWE? Yes. Did he ever reach main event level superstar status? No. Um, Taka? Taka Michinoku, same thing. Yoshitatsu, same thing. They were brought on because they were serviceable wrestlers. And that match with Taka Michinoku and Triple H from 10 years ago was amazing. But if you can't connect with the audience, if you can't communicate to them and you can't talk to them, and maybe they can. I may be completely describing somebody that's not Kenta right now. Maybe he's got the Queen's English. Who knows? That'd be awesome. But if he can't, and if he has problems communicating, that's going to be a big barrier for him. That's going to be a, a challenge, and it may relegate him to a certain spot on the card that just may be his spot. And if he's happy, if that's what he's coming for, he wants to. He's had a happy career, and he wants to make the cash grab and make the the uh, leap over to the the big time, so to speak, to end his career. Then I suppose he's earned that. But if anybody's expecting, oh, finally, Kenta, Kenta's going to come and just be the biggest thing. He's going to kick John Cena's ass, and he's going to kick oh, everyone's... Oh, Ultimo Dragon, another guy who they yeah. brought in. Yeah, If you think that's what's going to happen, you hardcore Japanese wrestling marks, you Kenta uh, just livers and breathers, I'm sorry to tell you it's not going to happen. He's probably going to have some fantastic matches. Uh, he's going to have some fantastic matches. But it's going to be like the WCW Cruiserweights, or it's going to be like... The early 2000s coming out of the Attitude Era, where the entire undercard was stacked, 
some really great wrestlers who didn't have what it took that extra it factor like the rock and steve austin and hogan to connect with the audience to become a super mega star he's gonna be a soup an international global superstar just by virtue of the fact that he's on the wwe roster and that's the machine that they have but for everybody who is just swinging on the 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 coattails of kenta thinking he's gonna be the end-all be-all finally somebody's gonna come in and show these crappy wrestlers like john cena how it's done come back to me in two years three years, five years. Tell me who still has the championship. Tell me who's still main eventing their pay-per-views. I'll bet it ain't Kenta. <laughs> yeah, you could be wrong, but it could be right. I'm just saying. I'm but just I saying think that's great. what my bets are. Yeah, I mean, saying it's great that they're going to start him in, in NXT to let him develop, try and develop, sure. yeah, develop ha- what he needs to develop. Well, if they took him right out of his style, Japanese style is vastly different than WWE style by virtue of the fact that WWE style is different than any other kind of style. If they took him out of Japan and just shoved him right to the main roster, they would be dooming him to fail. Like, the, he has to go and learn how to adapt and how to try to engage with that audience because he's got an uphill battle. They couldn't do anything but send him to NXT. Is, are there people bitching about it? Are there people who are like, oh, yes, NXT? I haven't seen much of it yet. I haven't seen anything much about it, which I think is interesting. Cause they, you, you think that people would do that because they think all of a sudden it's like, he would just go. But then, like, then he gets buried on there and they wonder why. Yeah. Because the guy can't communicate or can't, you know, connect with, you need to learn how to connect with that audience. A Japanese audience is way different than an American audience to, to, for what they look for in a, in a match. Well, I'll tell you. And it's not just, you know, there's not, he's not wrestling in front of an indie crowd who do watch the tapes and, you know, do that kind of thing. You can bash me all you want. F you if you think the way, if you're, you know, going to bash, go, oh, because you don't know independent wrestling. Shut up. Um, wow. I didn't know anybody was challenging you on your end. No, but I'm just getting a preemptive strike. Oh, okay. Um, but in a mainstream audience, sometimes they can't take a pure something from a way different style and just adapt to it immediately. They have to, they have to, it's a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Not <laughs> to say a quote from Mary Poppins, but um, it's what, it's how it works in American audiences. They can't just be given something immediately concentrated and go, oh, yeah. Let me grab onto that thing I've never seen before. It has to be their idea. Yeah, exactly. It can't be shoved down their throats. They have to believe they're the ones that brought that person up. Yeah. So that's how it's going to work, and I think that's going to be great for for something like NXT because it's it's a mixture actually of like more the independent audience and the WWE audience. Can you imagine uh, the quality of matches he's going to have with people like that piece of crap Sami Zayn? <laughs> what? Who's <laughs> ever passed on Sami Zayn? <laughs> That's exactly why I did it. Hate mail can be addressed to the wrestling buddies. Um, no, but I want to see some of these matches that he will have out there with some of those guys in NXT. Little... I actually really like Sami Zayn, by the way. Sami Zayn. Just so you know, in case you're listening. You're not listening. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I can't wait to see some of those matches there, and that'll, that'll really hype up the crowd to show, especially if you show some of that stuff on like those... Um, like on those vignettes you're going to show and bring those up to WWE and people see that stuff, then they'll be oh, okay. So that's a Ken- that's who Kenta is. Okay, let's do it. But also, are they going to keep his name? I've heard I've heard that most it's leaning towards there. He's going to stay Kenta, not come up with a different, you know, different gimmick name for him. Well, that's cool. Because you know, I just can see the jokes about you know saying, "Oh no, you're not Sting. You're well, you know, you're Beef Storden or something." <laughs> <laughs> Beef Storden. Yeah. Beef Stroganoff. Yeah. No. No. You know, dyslexic his name. <laughs> Make his name dyslexic. But, um, but yeah, so Kenta is coming to so hard. <laughs> he's coming to NXT because so he's hard. strong style. Yeah, 
So he's coming. Nothing, nothing you can do about it. But he is the quote unquote first signing by Hulk Hogan. So that gives you that's something that they're giving him something already right there, saying he's the first signing by Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Because having his name attached to Hogan means they really have some high hopes. Right. Well, they're doing everything they can to try to make sure he has every available opportunity to get over for the American audience. Yeah, because maybe he's a chosen one. Just don't get into a fight with your wife. Chosen one. <laughs> Slap nuts. <laughs> I'm just saying. Dude, don't Remember that one guy who fought with his wife and then all of a sudden was... Yeah. Hey, so last week was the NWO anniversary. Yeah, so, wow, well, all of a sudden we started to all go quiet, we're like, yeah, that's always fun. Yeah, so, uh... Well, just because I saw that we have a couple topics left, and I'm eager to get to the last one, so uh, I figured we'd just go oh, ahead and jump on Yeah, the other, one could, the other one we could move table, so we could, so to speak. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we missed it last week, but it was the anniversary of something that did, that literally changed the face of wrestling. The Sting changing his face paint and becoming the crow. Oh, sure, well, actually, this led to that. The formation of the NWO last week, uh, Bash of the Beach '96 is when it happened. One of the biggest heel turns, you, that probably the, the biggest. biggest. Not probably that's a, name a bigger heel turn. I dare you, any of you listeners, I dare you to name me a bigger heel turn than Hulk Hogan, the eternal babyface, the immortal Hulk Hogan, yellow and red. The only man who could kill Hulkamania was Hulk Hogan himself. Right. All the Make a Wish kids, all of the kids chasing him. I am a real American. And he turns heel with the NWO? Tell me that's not the biggest heel turn of all time. It is. No, it is the biggest heel turn of all time. It's gotta be. It's all people remember when it happened. Every, I remember just, like, um, just anybody in the audience, like, people who didn't watch wrestling, what, Hulk Hogan's a bad guy now? Yeah. Because it's, it's like if Superman became a bad guy. Yeah. Or I, Batman decided to turn. But, um... He'd be the bat guy. Yeah. Hey, with, yo. The bat guy with the bad guy. Yeah. And Batman and Kevin Nash, um, but I kind of want to bring up maybe besides that being the, it's hard to top that. But what are some of the biggest heel turns you remember that caught you by surprise? Because that was that caught everybody by surprise. Biggest heel turn. Okay, so um, I'll give some credit where credits due. Since I spent a good chunk of the show crapping all over CM Punk, uh, that heel turn against The Rock was awesome. I kind of saw it coming, but that made it more awesome because it was executed so well that when it happened, it was still really cool to see. Um, for those of you who don't remember what happened, uh, go look it up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I think this one goes back to WCW for me. One thing I remember is... Hooventude? Sure, why not? No, Arn Anderson turning on Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, Arn Anderson turning he, on Dustin Rhodes. It was that so was a tea, great one. Saying, you know what? You know, you really want me to do this? Team with you? You pop it something you don't want to do, but all right, I'll do it. And in the middle of it, they think he's reaching for the rope. And we reaching for Arn. Nope. Arn just walks away. And then Arn no, turns around and just beats him down. I, I have a hard... And the way Dustin sold it was they tried to interview him next week and he was just almost crying and like, I can't do it. I can't talk. I, I can't do it. He's shaking and everything and just like, just like, like his dog died. I'll tell you what one of my favorite or most memorable heel turns is Jake the Snake Roberts. On Ultimate Warrior? On Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh. He was getting cheered at the time uh, before the uh, match made in heaven and the match made in hell. Uh, well, he was he was leaning towards the dark side there, but it was really the Cobra that put him over the top back into, trust me, territory. And, oh, man, 
Having gone from a guy who was getting so cheered and so over as a babyface, so much so that they didn't dare put him in a program with Hulk Hogan for fear that he would overshadow and get bigger responses than the Hulkster, to take him and just months later have him cutting a promo to Macho Man about how good it felt to slap Elizabeth. Oh, man. Good stuff. That solidified him as a heel. Yeah. Because I think he's the only person to actually hit elizabeth the it, only person it was the i think it was the only time we saw in wrestling somebody purposefully lay hands on a woman i know years down uh, the road not too many years a few years down the road it would become a big thing largely because of the internet the advent of the internet uh and all the um the wrestling magazines pw insider and or pw insider pro wrestling illustrated uh when the dudley boys gave Bula mcgillicuddy the 3d and ecw but pri- and that was like the biggest holy crap moment I I had seen up to then, because I'd never seen anybody beat the crap out of a woman on wrestling. But Jake the Snake kind of was the forefather to that slapping Elizabeth in the face because everybody loved Elizabeth. How could you ever imagine striking that beautiful face or or pushing her to the ground or or feeding her a drug laden ham sandwich like Lex Luger did and stopping her life cold? But like. <laughs> So I guess I guess maybe Lex Luger's heel turn. That was a pretty that was a pretty big one. Sudden too. Well, Chris, Razor, Chris Benoit's too. That was a big heel turn. Well, you saw the what the Razor Ramon said about that when they said all oh, the people who on Fourth of July thank you to all these people and some said what about me in the USA Lex Luger? Yeah, no, he killed Elizabeth. Exactly. Um, exactly. Chris well, Benoit, biggest heel turn of all time. I. I oh jeez. You want to bring up his name? Um, you want to put a little warning up like they do on the network? Um, but anyway, um, we can't talk about heel turns without Shawn Michaels. Oh, yeah. The barbershop. Of course. I mean, it's legendary, and it's just something that even something nobody nobody saw that coming. That's a, it's, Again, it's the same thing. It's before the ad, That's the hard part of advent before the internet, because everyone's like, well, it looks like he's going to turn heel. And, da, 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 and, you know, they would tease this stuff, and you thought they made up, and then no, they didn't. And Bobby Heenan's commentary, of course, puts away over. The fact that he pointed out that Mario Gennetti had to dive, try to dive through the window to escape. Yeah. Like coward. For sure. And of, of course, if we're talking heel turns too, who can forget, of course, Virginia, 1899, Jack Slewarth turning heel on Greeky the Greek Vamuskos by calling him a, quote, rapscallion. Up until then, they were best friends. You never saw them parted. They took on the Valiant Brothers. They took on um, Los Luchadores. And um, then all of a sudden, one called him a rapscallion. They never talked again. They never really fought, so there was really a payoff to this heel turn, but they just they went their separate ways and thus ended probably, if I'm being honest, the greatest tag team of the 1890s. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> a history, man. I'm a student of the game. Why <laughs> You went so far back at Triple H, he's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> uh, if he doesn't know... Uh, <laughs> If he doesn't know the Greek, then <laughs> makes me wonder how much Triple oh, H does know about this business. You know Greek, what I'm saying? The only Greek I know is Jimmy the Greek. Oh, well, he forgot about Petros Papadakis. Well, I mean, he never says he's the Greek, though. No, that's true. That's just what I say. He's well, the Greek. Well, he is Greek. Yeah. <laughs> wow. How long are we going now? <laughs> we're almost at 120. Are we about done? Are we going to save this last topic for next week? Teaser! Well, even Teaser! Well, actually, we'll see how it's next week because we're getting ready for Comic-Con. That's true. Next week, Comic-Con, a lot of stuff going on down at Comic-Con. Let's tell you about it. First of all, our good friend Michael Kingston. He is the creator and writer of the Headlocked uh, Professional Wrestling Independent Comic Book. 
Um, and he will be at his booth at Comic-Con with uh, people such as Chris Daniels and Frankie Kazarian from TNA, Bad uh, Influence. Uh, Mr. Anderson's going to be there. Uh, who else was on that list? Um, I believe well, our buddies on the second shift are going to be there. That's right. Scott Lost will be there. Uh, another place Scott Lost will be is on the panel that I'm hosting Saturday night, if you're going to be in San Diego. Um, 8.30 to 9.30, room 8. It is Not So Strange Bedfellows, the relationship between comics and professional wrestling. That panel will have myself, Rick Offenberger from FirstComicsNews.com, Fran Mooney sitting right next to me. Uh, it will also have the creative team from the Second Shift comic book, Ebu Ronson and Scott Lost, and, of course, Michael Kingston, and perhaps, maybe, a surprise. Also, we're doing a uh, panel, myself and Fran Mooney, about how to get news coverage, media coverage for your project. Um, that's going to happen at Comic-Con. Thursday, 11.30 a.m., same place, Room 8. Thank you, because I had forgotten, uh, and I wasn't prepared. <laughs> Posted um, by our friend Rick Offenberger from First Comics News. That's right. And uh, so you pulled up that list that uh, Mike Kingston's going to have. Uh, John Morrison, uh, of course, everybody loves John Morrison. Uh, Jill Thompson, who is a fantastic artist. And Mikhail Mulipola, who is just, I mean, one of the... If you're not familiar with Mulipola's work, um, you should probably just stop listening to this podcast and... Go familiarize yourself with it. <laughs> also, how do you not? Okay, what else? We also have. Well, we give. We have some cool giveaways we concerning do. the Massacre Twins. Our that's right comic that we've been working on for past year. That's right, Francis, uh, the creator, uh, goodly enough to bring me in as a co-writer, uh, and the lovely Rachel Putnam as uh, the main artist on it right now. Uh, what are we gonna have? Well, we'll be giving it. Well, tell them what they're gonna get, it, Fran. Well, we're going to be giving away our promo comic strips, limited to 666. That's right. Just like last year, if you see us at Comic-Con, uh, hit us up. We're going to have them on us, limited to 100 and, or 666, this year's uh, Comic-Con exclusive promo strip of the Massacre Twins, uh, sort of announcing and heralding a relaunch of uh, the strip that will hopefully uh, see it uh, achieve more fruitfulness and consistency than we have in uh the last year or so and uh the back will be signed by the entire creative team so come find us when when we're at comic-con yeah we'll be around um you can check out the event we'll be on the convention floor even be on well a lot of times find us on gas lamp by the gas lamp district um usually on those two corners people know what we're talking about by the trolley stations that uh, just sounded like you were propositioning somebody. Yeah, you know where you can by. find us by the trolley station at you know those corners. Yeah, no, but people who go know we'll under the palm tree with the pretty pink sachet on that says "little girl." That's not a bad idea. <laughs> I'll get attention. Um, it'll get our attention. Yeah. Um, no, but do check us out. We will be on the uh, around the convention, around the convention floor. Hopefully, getting some interviews, uh, doing some. Interviews, reviews, uh, covering some t- co- some cool things. Uh, we'll be playing around with our new with our new uh, high tech toys. That's right. We got some new toys to play with. None of them vibrate. That's a good thing. Well, they could if you want them to. That's true. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we'll be around doing some stuff and hopefully get them on the show here or on fanboynation.com or firstcomicsnews.com. That's right. Our friends over there. Uh, next week, like Fran mentioned. We're going to be a little crunched for time because we're going to be getting ready for Comic-Con. It'll be the night before we head out for preview night. Uh, but we'll go ahead and try to squeeze this show in anyway because we love you. And just to give you a taste of what's going to be coming up next week, the topic that we were leaving off the table today 
has to do with, and it was brought up by our good friend on our Facebook page, so you can go get a little teaser, David Coates, dedicated listener, fan of the podcast, he, uh, well, I'll just say this, it involves black people. You're going to leave it at that? All right. Wow. <laughs> well, why not? Ah, why not? Let's end on that. Oh, hey, and one more thing. Uh, song you heard at the beginning of the show, and that you will hear as soon as I'm done talking, The Razor Ramones. Check them out. They're from uh, Indiana, I believe, uh, with their song, I Am Not a Nugget. Uh, there's rumor floating around that perhaps something special will be coming our way at some point from The Razor Ramones. We certainly hope so. We dig their work, and we hope that you enjoy the song, because not only is it our entrance music, but it's, uh, oh my god, oh no, oh no, it's, it's coming, it's starting right now!